Welcome to The Plugged In Show. I'm Adam Holtz, your host, and we're glad you're back to spend some time with us talking about pop culture, technology, and how those things affect your family. This week, we're going to be talking about Hallmark Christmas movies and a topic I'm sure parents everywhere can relate to, and that is when should you get your tween or teen his or her first phone? Mm -hmm. And this week, I have with me... Kristen Smith. Paul Acey. Jonathan McKee. And we are going to be kicking around these topics. But before we dive in, we're going to continue to get to know our plugged in show participants. So we're talking about Hallmark Christmas movies this week. And I was trying to think, what would be a question that would really enable us to get to know each other just a little bit better? And I have an awesome question. So last week we were watching. We'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Right. We'll let you know soon. It is an awesome question, Paul, and I don't really care if you don't think it is. So if you'll stop interrupting me. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead. So here, here's the backstory. The backstory is we were watching the movie The Christmas Chronicles, which stars none other than Kurt Russell yep. as Santa Claus. Right? I reviewed yeah. that. Yeah. Right? You reviewed it. Mm-hmm. And, and we watch, it's now one of our favorites, oh, except yeah. for the two or three profanities in the first five minutes. So <laughs> I just want to give that plugged-in disclaimer on things. So here's my question, and I think it's awesome. Even if, and if you don't like it, Paul, I want you to pretend you do. <laughs> all right. All right. It's you, great. You are a movie producer director and most important casting agent Mm. you are making a santa claus movie you can hire any actor alive or dead because of the magic of digital technology Mm. if you want to have james dean come back you can because that's actually happening in another movie right now who do you pick to play santa claus and why that's a good question so hard thank you Thank wow. You. That that is a good question. I approve of this question. <laughs> well, let's answer it. Oh, you're looking at me. I I, I, well, I can look at Kristen. Yeah, look at Kristen. No, no, Paul, go ahead. You know more people. Okay. All right. So, the perfect Santa Claus person living or dead. Anybody. Well, actor. I want to keep it within the realm of So, I can't say act. Adam Holtz, right? No. Okay. All right. Cuz that's fa- that's a fail. You know what? I I think I would have to go with uh, Man, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yes. <laughs> and why? <laughs> because he could bring the gravitas. Gravitas. You know, he would go down his his laugh would be majestic. Oh, oh, oh. Ho, ho, Make it ho. so. Make elves. it so. <laughs> go dasher, go dancer, go. <laughs> Warp, warp speed, <laughs> or whatever they say on Star Trek. I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Star go, Wars guy. You know, so. he'd need a little padding because he wouldn't like laugh like it's a bowl full of jelly or anything right. like that. But I think that that with uh, with CGI today, I think you could add maybe 50, 70 pounds, and it would be it would be perfect. Right. And I think or it's, I could it's be time. his stunt double, and it's all good. It's time for a bald Santa. Amen, brother. Preach it. I like how you're thinking. All right, who's next on our Santa challenge? Jonathan, you go. Okay, uh, you know, because I'm trying to find this guy's name. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. She's cheating. Um, man, my my mind immediately. Isn't it funny that we immediately go? I start thinking of you know overweight actors. I mean, automatic. I mean, you think of Santa Claus. You just think of the bowl full of jelly. I mean, so I, I, as as much as I right. wanted Jack to say, <laughs> oh, Jack Black. Now, see, that's what you should go with, Kristen, right there. Um, I. I I first thought Kirk Douglas, but I thought, no, not enough jelly. And so... uh, 
No, no, that's so not just I probably, you know, as much as I wanted to say Chris Farley, you know, because he lives in a, you know, van down by the North down Pole. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think Pole, I'd yeah. say John Candy. Oh, yeah. John, John Candy. Candy. Would, you know, we, you said we could bring him back too. from the dead. So I, I just right? think that, you know, as much as I loved Del Griffith on Trains, Planes and Automobiles, I'd want to bring him back to be Santa. All right, Kristen. Okay. Here's the thing: my my Wi-Fi is not working, so I don't know this guy's name. But <laughs> maybe we can help you. That guy in that one movie. Okay. No, I should know who this, the actor's name. Who plays Gandalf? Oh, you mean Helen? Helen. Okay. Yes. Perfect Santa. Correct. Like. And why? Well, just because he he's like he has this this thing about him, right? He he's like this magical, grandfatherly, all knowing kind of guy according to lord of you know Lord. and he's probably got the beard already in storage that's what i'm saying so he could stick on the beard yeah you don't really need like the jelly when you got the beard it's fine yeah (laughs) Yeah, because the beard sort of covers the jelly yeah exactly yeah yeah that's my pick i agree ian mccown would be an amazing santa claus yeah patrick stewart that was uh honestly that was actually my pick so thanks you're serious (laughs) oh my goodness now on the spot i have to come up with something although that's what i'm asking you to do so it's okay so um i'm gonna go with christian bale (laughs) christian bale in a world full of santa movies christian bale is the santa wait like muscular and the camera could just focus on his face the entire time and he would just do stuff with his eyes. I'm doing stuff with my eyes, even though you guys can't yeah, see it. Yeah, you can't see it. Um, he and stuff with his and eyes. you would walk out and you would say, I never have actually seen a Santa Claus movie until this very moment. Hmm. And I think it would be most excellent. Okay. So that was a terrific, <laughs> terrific thought experiment. Super fun. And now we're going to talk terrific. about- That was great, Adam. Great. <laughs> it was. Thank you for affirming me in that. Uh, now we're going to talk about something else that's super fun in a different way, and that is Hallmark Christmas movies. Now, Hallmark-style movies a long time ago used to be kind of the butt of jokes. You know, you could put something down by saying, oh, that's just like a stupid Hallmark movie. But in the last few years, really about the last 10 years or so, the cable channel is the one laughing all the way to the bank. Their formulaic Christmas movies have become really a bona fide thing. Uh And that thing is in quote marks, right? And here's how you know something is a thing. You know it's a thing when other people start copying you. And we're seeing lots of copying on Netflix, on Amazon. Uh, There was an ABC movie advertised during a football game this week, and I'm like, even ABC's getting on the bandwagon. Uh, So everybody wants a piece of this. So, you know, these movies are somewhat formulaic. If you're watching an honest-to-goodness, genuine seal of approval Hallmark movie, formulaic. <laughs> you've got Candace Cameron Bure, Lacey Chabert, Jodie Sweetin, um, and, or, or somebody who's a lot like them, enough to make you think, oh, this is like that one Lacey Chabert movie we saw two days ago. <laughs> uh, in 2013, they did a dozen of these. This year, they've got 24 new ones. Yeah, and it's, 24 and it's, new It's ones. sort of like Shark Week on Discovery Channel, except it starts in October and goes through the Christmas season. Glorious. So for those who aren't familiar with these films, let me give you just a taste. One of this year's new films is called Check In, get it, Check In, like where you stay, to Christmas. <laughs> and here's how the Hallmark Channel describes it, and I'm going to do this in my very, very best movie trailer voice. When New York City lawyer Julia Crawley returns to her Rocky Mountain hometown and her family's lovely inn for the holidays, she finds herself at the center of a generation's old feud with the family that runs the town's 
other in <laughs> as the ongoing <laughs> as the ongoing competition between the two ends escalates. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Forbidden romance blossoms between Julia and Ryan Mason, the family who runs the inn that is her family's big competitor. So for those who have never seen a Hallmark movie, what is the basic formula in broad strokes? I got this. Paul's going to be too cynical, so I got you. Well, mine probably will be too, but here we go. So it's a girl from the big city goes to this small town to take goes care of some to issue. Goes home to the small town, right? Sometimes. It's her hometown. Not always. Oh, almost always. Okay. Almost always. There are exceptions. Anyway, okay. she goes to the small town, and she gets snowed in in this small town, and there's some kind of crisis. She has to fix something. Um, typically, there's boyfriend back in the city. Yeah. Um, that Who's she rich leads. and beautiful. Always rich and beautiful. But really not very nice. And exactly. we know that because, you know, there's like one scene with him treating her badly. <laughs> right. So she's in this small town. She meets this guy who's like volunteering at like a shelter or something. Salvation he's, Army. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. the saint. Um, Santa's in the background. But he's not that great looking, usually. Right. I mean, by by TV standards. Yeah. yeah. All right, you're trying to talk. And I keep interrupting. <laughs> <I'm> thinking. <laughs> So I don't even know where to begin or where to continue. Then what happens? <laughs> so they're trapped in this small town. It's snowed in and they end up falling in love. And boyfriend from the city tries to come back and win her over. But she just realizes that that's not the life for her anymore. And, and so she stays. And often Santa Claus shows up in one that's form right. or another. Yeah. I mean, either literally or somebody who is like yeah. a, he Santa, could be Santa. a Santa Claus-ish, matchmaker-ish kind yep. of person. Gentlemen, anything you would like to add to Kristen's quite excellent summary of the the basic formula? Paul, you said there wasn't a formula. Why did you say that? Oh, no, I think there's totally a formula. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, no. It it seems like every single one of these movies here, here I am jumping on the cynic bandwagon. Every single one of these movies is exactly the same, right? Pretty much. Deep breath. Pretty much. Oh, my goodness. They just interchange the actors and actresses. And see if Patrick Stewart was Santa Claus in one of them. (laughs) I might watch him more. Right. You know? It, it it really feels the thing about these Hallmark movies. I, let me be honest. Before this show, I uh, I I watched a Hallmark Christmas movie for Your the first very one? first time under much. Oh, that's dress. awesome! Yes. <laughs> and it was uh, exactly what I expected. It was because I think I think that that the whole Hallmark vibe has sort of preceded it in a, in a way it sort of sunk into the culture i think that, that even even though i hadn't seen one of these movies at all i kind of knew what to expect and it was pretty much what i expected it was the girl goes from the big city small town there's this love sort of love triangle santa shows up does some matchmaking things it's really sweet it's really innocent it's very nice and very, very formulaic. But that's the appeal. And and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. that's that the was my next question. Is yeah. the appeal. We if if the movie is the same every time, all for all intents and purposes, what is the appeal? Why do people keep tuning in year after year? Why do they make more and more of them? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, for me, when I was uh, doing this assignment this week, you know, you were assigned to watch a Hallmark movie. Yeah, you watch uh, these all the time. Uh, <laughs> it was great because when I told my wife, she literally got giddy. She's like, "Oh, this is awesome! <laughs> you mean we don't have to watch Die Hard again?" Yeah. Yes. Oh. So, so, so I was, you know, I was like, "Okay, let's do this," and I watched count them three of these Christmas oh. movies. Oh. 
that are available. Jonathan, I have new respect for you. <laughs> Seriously, oh, man, man I have this commitment to your marriage. Well, it was like the family right was over, and we're like, let's watch it. Now, and here's the interesting thing. We, we have a history in our house because – my daughter, Alyssa, who's now 24 years old, you know, down on her own, li- you know, she's graduated from college, living on her own, you know, doing the adult thing, you know, um, she always had this thing where my dad, you know, grandpa would always say, hey, we're going to watch our Hallmark movie this year. And the two of them would get together and they would watch this movie. And I was just so glad that oh, I didn't have so to. And uh, it was this bonding thing for them, and they always talked about it. And it was just this great thing. So when we said, hey, this year, we've got to do this, Alyssa was like, oh, that's awesome. Which one? You know, because she's an expert because she's seen, like, all of them with Papa, <laughs> you know. But uh, we tried one, and, man, it, it was very formulaic. That's a good description of it. It was super predictable. I mean, like, so predictable that I was – saying lines before the characters could say them you know the script sure they appreciated like, that <laughs> the script was like roll your eyes forced you know like you know they're like trying to show the change in this character and they're you know they even had actors saying lines like who are you and hey what have you done with the real eric you know i was like come on do we need such you know and, and it's He's trapped because, in the last movie yeah i mean on one hand you know i'm sitting there watching this this change and going you know okay like jerry Maguire did this so much better with so much more profanity, sadly, but but it was like one of those things that um, they just, yeah, I mean, it lacked a lot of the you know talent and skills. But man, I tell you something, we actually all had a great time watching it. It was fun. Well, and I think that's really part of the draw here is that these are rom coms that have been very very deliberately purged of anything that anybody would consider offensive. I think in yeah, terms of, of harsh content. Mm-hmm. I mean. You, it's rare to get any kind of profanity. Maybe they give, you know, a big kiss at the end. And, you know, that's about as racy as things ever get. So from from one angle on a plugged in perspective, I think there's a lot to recommend here. And I understand the draw just in terms of content. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Cross your fingers and yeah. hope that it's not going to go in a bad direction. Is there any way in which the romantic worldview here? might be problematic or is there anything that we need to think about from a worldview perspective with all of these stories that emphasize sort of a very formulaic happily ever after you know i think it it cuts both ways from from my perspective and and um just to just to give you some context the movie that i watched was tis the season for love oh yeah so yeah and and the thing that that (laughs) i noticed and 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 pretty much pertains to all these movies. It is. It really is dependent on sort of this this romance, this love relationship. And I think that that for uh, for people who are not finding that sort of relationship in right. the holiday season, it, it can be kind of tough. Um, and so this can be sort of a reminder, and it can it can pull people down. But I also wanted to talk about one really good thing. I, I know that I sound really cynical, just a little. <laughs> but one of the things that that I really did appreciate about this is that the movie takes you into some really strong values yeah. in a way. You know, you have the the whole trope of this big city girl going back to the small town. The the And the small town is always better. The small town is always better and and the quiet life is always better. There's an affirmation of living uh, a quiet life, a, a nice life with people who love you and that you love back. I mean, there's there's a beauty in that that I think sometimes in our success-driven society that we sort of lose sight of. Yeah, I would say, I think, like you were talking about, I, I think if we wanted to get 
really deep into it. Like any romantic comedy, it can create unrealistic expectations. Um, I think if you're watching them 24-7, like if that's the only thing that you do, sure, that might be an issue. And some people do. Yeah, it's true. I mean, sure, yeah. But I, I mean, overall, there's not a lot of content. And if it's just a, a nice way to escape and relax and, and hang out with family... That's great. Well, I love Jonathan's story about how how this became sort of such the bonding experience between your daughter and, and and her grandfather. I thought that that was a beautiful thing, and and I think that that's one of the things that 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 you've mentioned, Adam, in your own life that that this becomes a chance for a lot of your family to get together and watch something together, and that's nice. Well, and one of the things I just wish is. As I love what you said, Paul, by the way, the values, because it's true. My, my, my script, as forced as it was, it really wasn't saying, oh, you need a relationship. It wasn't like an unhealthy thing. It actually was uh, out with the bad and in with the good. And, and it was two people who really embraced a good thing and, and actually fell in love in the process. So that was cool. I just wish it could have been more quality. And I felt like the Christmas Chronicles uh, with Kurt Russell did that I think I think it was actually a good film and I think it was actually entertaining yeah, it was, and good effects it was Kurt Russell as Santa Claus yeah. but that one is definitely not a Hallmark movie it wasn't no it's not yeah. a it was a good family movie yeah all right well hopefully our conversation about Hallmark movies and their pros and cons and everything in between has given you something to think about this week in terms of the things you're watching this holiday season and I want to move into our second segment today and so we're going to focus on this question when should I let my tween or teen get a phone, right? Now, for those of us with 30. kids, kid, 30 is the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we're done with this segment. Uh, you know, for those of us who have kids at home, um, they start pushing for a phone really early. I was talking with my sister who lives on the East Coast. Her daughter is in fourth grade and is being made fun of because she's the only student in her class, she says, who doesn't have a smartphone. And we Goodness. know from we know from the research that kids are getting phones younger and younger. And so this is an issue that we all have to face. And so I just want to toss this open to some conversation. Uh, I know, Jonathan, this is something you have thought about a lot, and I think we even touched on it a little bit uh, in our discussion last week. But let's flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah, you, you shared in our last podcast about how with your son, how he has a flip phone and he's feeling the pressure as a 13-year-old. And his friends are saying, oh, how come you got just a flip phone? I mean, the pressure is on. And this is probably the most common question I hear every week from parents at parent workshops. They're saying, when do I get my kid a phone? And they know on one hand that the experts like Jim Steyer, the CEO of Common Sense Media, says, you know, he didn't get his own kids phones till they were 14 and in high school. Uh, Bill Gates didn't get his kids smartphones until they were 14 in high school. So. On one hand, these people who really know the ins and outs of technology and social media um, that are talking about the dangers of social media, they're saying wait as long as possible. But what's difficult for moms and dads is, you know, the average kids getting their phone at about 10 years old. So literally all the kids out there seem like they have phones. I mean, literally a whole room has phones. And so the pressure is on. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that there's another issue too for for a lot of parents. And, and I speak from from personal experience. When when my daughter was was pretty young, um, she wasn't where we were supposed to 
pick her up one day from from middle school and we had had we spent about 20 minutes looking for her and and we got a little bit freaked out as you can imagine and and it was at that point I know that I went against what a lot of experts would say but at that point in time we actually got her a cell phone just so we would always know where she was and I think that that in today's age um so many parents are really concerned. They're really wary of, of where their kids are and what they're doing. And so in some sometimes I think that those those cell phones they can provide a little bit of a tether to your kids when you're when they're not actually visible to them. Yeah, I mean I only have I have a two year old and one on the way, so And you've got him he, a phone now, right? <laughs> yeah, he has one for each hand. Um but I think with him, I think about this often because I, I was a high school teacher for five years. Um, and I saw how problematic phones were, like in the classroom. I, I saw that they took away from learning. Um, they can make kids very territorial and entitled and kind of disrespectful, like this is mine, get away, don't touch this. Um, however, I think as a parent now having my, my own children, I can see wanting to know where they are and wanting to know what's up. But of course, with that comes, like you might know where they are locationally or you can call them, but you might not know where they are on the internet. And so I think those are the issues like, okay, let's talk about where are they going? I think the thing we have to do is we almost have to, in our minds, separate the phone part and the whole social media and all that other stuff part because a yeah, smartphone now yeah. is not just a phone. You're handing them Google. You're handing them yep. Snapchat. You're handing them Fortnite, you know, which might occupy your 12-year-old and 10-year-old son for 10 hours at a time because they can't stop playing Fortnite. So the one thing is I would say if a parent feels like, hey, I've got to give my kid that phone so I can find out where they are at any time, then you can have the parental controls if you set a good password and you can make it to where that phone can't download apps. So you could, if you decide to give your 11-year-old a phone, give them a phone that just is a phone and texts and maybe has a couple apps that you approve of. You don't necessarily have to give them that thing that they immediately have to lie about their age to jump on social media and get into all that drama. You don't want that drama yet. Yeah, perhaps that's the that might be the frustration with a lot of parents, though, or you know, might feel overwhelmed because it's true. But this is like another way. It's like not only do I have to parent my kid, but now I have to parent my kid and like the whole world around them. And I have to keep up with all of this technology. So I need to learn what it looks like to get on and, and create these passwords and create these boundaries. And that that's a big responsibility. It's a big job. Yeah, and, and I think that what this conversation shows is that there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to this question, yeah. that, that it is a question that is complex, and it has layers. And I know, you know, we hit clickbait on the Internet because we want simple answers to complex questions, but I think that what we want to say is the answer to this question has to do with your child yeah. and your relationship with the child, and as you are engaged and intentionally aware of where your kids are at, you're the only one who really is in a position to know, yeah, you know, I think yeah. Freddie's ready for a phone uh, or, oh, there's just no way that there's the maturity there, you know, to handle that yet. 
Yeah, and I think that, that as Kristen was saying, I think that, that we need to be very mindful as parents to be really aware of the technology that that our kids are getting involved with. Because oftentimes I think the parents are on a, a weird a weird and bad curve where our kids sometimes know more about this stuff than we do. Yeah, most often. And I think I've heard, you know, it can be one of two things. Like it, it could be a parent that says, no, I completely trust my child. They would never do this. They would never get on this thing. But the temptation is too great. I mean, it's just everywhere. So and it's even not... just curiosity. Yeah, I mean, of course. Are... Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, the whole world is open, you know, at their fingertips. And so, like you were saying, Adam, we have to be the experts on our own children and, and kind of establish those boundaries. And I think that the reality is we're living in an age that demands a level of intentionality and engagement for us as parents of young children mm-hmm. that perhaps in previous generations uh, wasn't really necessary in the same ways. And I know sometimes that feels daunting to me, yeah. but one of the things that we want to do at Plugged In and with the Plugged In show is to give you not only practical equipping, but encouragement and just you know to be something you can come to and say, okay, I may not have all the answers, but I know that if I go to Plugged In, I can get some help here with these sorts of issues because they're not going away and they're going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to keep dealing with these issues. Yeah. And so as we move forward with the Plugged In show, each week we're going to be talking about something that's happening in pop culture and probably something tech related mm-hmm. that really affects your family. So, uh, you know, even if you don't have time to sit down and do research, maybe as you're out for a run or, you know, listening to to these sorts of podcasts, wherever you do, put us on and we hope to be a voice of encouragement. So thanks for joining us today. We look forward to continuing this conversation with you at thepluggedinshow.com. So be sure to check us out there and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave feedback and tell your friends. 